Go with me, Daniel chapter 6, that is OT, Old Testament, okay? Daniel uh, chapter 6, and uh, we're going to be looking in verses 1 through 10, and then we're going to kind of walk through the story, but today I felt like we need to have a little content to uh, the story, okay? Uh, in 605 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar, man, can you imagine having that name, Nebuchadnezzar, okay, how do you, I mean, how would you spell your last name if you were a kid, you know what I mean? Do you ever remember that, like, trying to get a library card, you had to spell your last name? I totally failed, you know, when I was growing up, Workmeister, that was a tough one, you know? King Nebuchadnezzar uh, attacks Jerusalem, captures a bunch of the Israelites, and Daniel, as a young man, a young boy, is one of those who are captured and taken into the land of Babylon. Uh, over many years, this happens over and over again, where uh, Babylon attacks Israel, keeps bringing people out of Israel, and Israel becomes exiles uh, to them. Israel now, many of them are prisoners to the Babylonian culture and way. Uh, Babylon is first appeared in Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. Um, the Hebrew word for Babel is actually confused, and that's why they were building the Tower of Babel, to build a tower of pride, saying we don't need God. Um, we have our technology, we have our ways, and we'll build a tower to the heavens, and we will be greater than God. And so Babel, as a nation, was known for their pride, their idolatry, sexual sin, greed. Uh, it's known in the Bible as the mother prostitute, um, as it relates to it in Revelations, as you know, the um, beast comes forth and Jesus is coming back. It's also historically opposed God's people of Israel. Uh, Babylon wanted nothing to do with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? And so... Babylon has attacked Israel. Israel is no longer a nation. And the reason that Israel is no longer a nation is because Israel valued the ways of man more than the ways of God. Remember, God takes Israel, saves them from their oppressors, takes them into their land, blesses them, favors them. But repeatedly in the Old Testament, we see this story where Israel is losing their way, taking their eyes off of the one who was their savior. And because of that, they are now exiles uh, from the land that they once knew that God gave them and now living in uh, Babylon. And Daniel grows up there, okay? This is the scene. Daniel grows up in Babylon in this culture, but yet stays true and keeps his values to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in really, really tough circumstances. Let me ask this question today. Have you ever lost your way? You know, when, um, when I was, I think, gosh, how old was I? I think I was 18 years old. Um, I was dating this girl named Rachel. And um, you ever wanted to impress a girl, you know? And uh, yeah, all of you are lying except for Drew. He raised his hand, okay? And I really, really, really wanted to impress Rachel. And this is the days before GPS was on your phone. This is the days before GPS could, you know, the old school, what do they call it, TomToms back in the day, you, could, you know, those things. Or even, like, you could print out, like, Google Map directions. And, you know, I remember those days where you like, you're, like, looking for the road, and you're looking at the map, and you drive by the road, and you're, you know, all those things. This is, like, this is like Wild West days, okay? This is just, like, road signs. And so, 
you know, I'm thinking like, hey, I'm gonna take Rachel to Chicago and I'm gonna show her like, I know how to get us there and we're gonna have a great day. And the only thing I knew about Chicago was I-94 went to Chicago and I knew if you took Ohio Street, it would take you into downtown. And so I drove down, I took Ohio Street, got a parking garage and man, we had a great day downtown, okay? So we get back to the parking garage. I pay, you know, $55,000 for parking, you know, downtown Chicago. And, and we get back into the car. And now I'm panicking inside because I'm like, I have no idea how to get back home. <laughs> like, like zero idea. And so for the next two and a half hours, I am now driving around Chicago, okay? And, um, and I don't know if any of you have heard of the old uh, housing projects, Bernie Green housing projects in Chicago. Very, very rough uh, area in Chicago. Uh, somehow I ended up there, okay? You know, like suburbia white boy Jeff, you know what I mean? And like the thick of the ghetto, you know, and me and my girlfriend. And, and we're driving and um, I stop at the stop sign, and I see, I see some young gentlemen um, outside, um, uh, and I think, you know what? I am so lost right now. Like, I literally, I literally need, like, serious help. And so um, I roll down the window, and I go, hey, guys, anyone you could give me any directions? And they were like, how much money you have? And I was like, oh, man, this is how this is going right now, you know? And uh, I go, I go, it's all good. They go, and so I like instantly start driving. They yell at me, don't be here after dark. And I was like, oh, Jesus, help me now, you know? I'm like, I am gonna die in the ghetto, you know, with my girlfriend here tonight, you know? But I don't know if you've ever felt that way before, but I've felt that way just, you know, sometimes in a situation, but sometimes in your own soul, where you feel like, man, I've lost my way. I don't really know where I'm at, and I don't really know where I'm going in life. And uh, Matt, can you help me real quick? Can you grab uh, that letter and uh, set it up? Give it up for Matt Shunner with everybody. Come on. That was, ooh, Matt, that was weak. They ain't feeling the love for you today, man. <laughs> it's a, is it the calf shirt? Yeah, it is. Listen, listen, all you LeBron haters, keep hating, okay? Here, put it over here. Listen, we're going to pray for LeBron and the Cavs later today, okay? We're going to face it this way. We're going to do a little illustration today. Um, help us understand uh, some things. Matt, here, help me real quick. Come. Oh, Maddie. You're my little buddy. I love you. I love you. Come. You know, I picked a ladder um, for a reason, because, you know, a ladder has the step to the top, you know, and we can kind of see a value system with a ladder. You know, at the bottom, we have a bigger, wider gap, and as we go up, it gets narrow and it gets higher, okay? And so um, I kind of want to illustrate life today through this ladder, and so I have some props today. And so, you know, if we're doing things correctly, you know, we're probably going to put Jesus at the top, the priority of our life. Ooh, that's even tall for Jeff Workmeister. There we go. Okay, so we have Jesus at the top, okay? Um, we also probably would have, oh, where are you at? Where are you at? There you are. Um, if we're married, um, we probably have, you know, our marriage, you know, somewhere uh, up top there. Some of you are like, oh, it could be down here, you know I mean? <laughs> 
But uh, we got our marriage up there, and you know, and then we just have a bunch of other things uh, in life. You know, um, I got this hourglass to represent uh, fear. You know, sometimes, you know, every hour that we're fearing in life, you know, um, something we have in our life. You know, we have uh, we have hobbies, we have sports. You know, I mean, you can't drag me away from the TV tonight at nine o'clock. If you call me and you're going to the hospital, you're just going to have to wait, okay? The Cavs are playing tonight, okay? It's the NBA Finals. So we have our, you know, we have our hobbies. Uh, it's going to stay in Jesus' name somehow, okay? We got, um, what else we got in here? You know, we got, um, let me see here. We got Netflix, right? Can we just thank God for Netflix, everybody, okay? Like Jesus made that, we got that. Um, we, got, we got money, right? Money's a big deal uh, in life, you know? So um, we have, where's my other, my other child? There we go. We have, uh, we have our children, right? We have children, right? Look at these guys. Look at the mini froze. Aren't they beautiful? Seriously. Listen, all I'm saying is if I was black, I would have a fro. That's all I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just being real right now, okay? Definitely have probably one of those Kobe mini fros, okay, back in the day, okay? Um, I got this coffee cup, represent our careers, right? That's a big deal. It's a big chunk of, of our life, right? Um, got, I got this clock to represent time how we use time in our life. Um, I got this box. I picked this box because I think it represents sometimes like hurts, pains in life that we just kind of like, there's a place in our heart that we lock away. We don't want people to get into. We don't want them to, to see. You know, we have that in our life. And, you know, and then I, I got this. This sign says beach home, just kind of represents our dreams and our aspirations. I mean, who wants a beach home today in Jesus' name? Every, all of you are liars that didn't raise your hand. I mean, seriously, we're serious liars. There we go. We're good. So we have all these things. Thanks, man. We have all these things that kind of represent our life, and if our priorities are really straight and correct, Jesus is always at the top, right? Because when Jesus is at the top and the influence of the word of God through Jesus is at the top, what happens? Everything else in our life gets infiltrated by what? Jesus, correct? When Jesus is the top priority of our soul, when the word of God is a, not just a part of our life, but is the authority of our life, then every aspect of our life, our careers, our worries, our pains, our hobbies, our children, our marriage, our money, all these things get affected by what? Jesus and the word of God. I have a true north, and that true north is the Lord, and all my choices, choices like things like how I use my time, right? We all get to choose what we want to do with our time. And so there needs to be a true north to help me understand what should I do with my time? You know, what should I do with my money? 
You know, is my money subject to God or is my money subject to me or is my career or my children? You know, I've been thinking about children a lot and, you know, I've just been recently understanding that the time that I have with my kids and the weekends and the days and the months, they're slipping away quickly. And I only have so much time to influence my kids. I only have so much time to pour the love of God into them to show them who Jesus is. You know, all these things, even, even what I watch on Netflix should be subject to the word of God. It should be subject to the spirit of the Lord. When my priorities are straight, Jesus is always at the top. But if you're anything like me, I can struggle with that. I can struggle with keeping first things first. Can I get an amen from anybody? It's a struggle in life. You know why? Because when I wake up on Monday, I realize that Sunday's coming. None of you know what that feels like. Every Monday I wake up and I'm done with Sunday. And we have great Sundays and the presence of God shows up and God does great things. But you know what happens for me when I wake up on, on Monday morning? A clock starts. We're getting ready for the next Sunday. And so all of a sudden, my job, my career, right, can quickly become more important than Jesus, correct? Because I woke up, and I have pressure, and I have stress, and I have demands, and I have things to do, and all of a sudden, you know, those things are more important. Or let's take our, um, let's take our kids, Okay. You know, my boys, they, they play sports. I, you know, the boys, they have sports to play. And so, you know, we got practices to get to and games to be a part of. And there's games for me to yell at and embarrass myself and my family, you know. And, you know, and then on top of that, you know, I got to go to the grocery store. Can we just boo the grocery store? I mean, oh, my gosh. I mean, just... Yeah, seriously. I mean, we got the grocery store uh, to handle. You know, I I love playing with my kids. That's I mean, that is something that I like value. Like I, I made that an important piece to being a dad was that I was going to play with my kids. Okay, and so I enjoyed the time that I play with my kids. Or or you know, and then you have things like I got to mow the grass. Another one of these things. But you know what? I told the Lord as I was mowing the grass. I said, Lord, thank you that I have grass. I have grass to mow yesterday. I had a good attitude about it uh, in the heat and the sun. But, you know, and then there's other stuff. You know, we're pursuing the beach house, right? I mean, isn't that important? You know, or, or all of a sudden, you know, my hobbies, they're super important. I got to make sure that, you know, I mean, they're filming season three of Stranger Things right now. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, just come on, you know, or, you know, and then sometimes my, my hurts, my pains get real loud. All of a sudden, we find ourselves in a place where all of our priorities look different than the way they should, right? And we got to ask ourselves this question, and the question is this. Out of 365 days a year, how many of those days is Jesus really at the top? Right? Now, I'm not questioning, do you love Jesus? Okay? 
not making you, I don't want you to leave here going, I need to question my salvation, okay? The word is very clear about who we are in Christ and the righteousness that Christ bought for us on the cross. What I'm talking about is a surrendered heart to the Holy Spirit, okay? A heart that goes, Lord, you own my day. I have 365 days, and how many of those 365 days are owned by the Holy Spirit? They're owned by the Word of God. They're owned by Jesus. Because I can tell you from personal experience that there are a lot of days in a year where my career owns me, right? There's a lot of days in a year that my kids own me, or how about our fears, right? I mean, how much time do we spend fearing things that never even happen, right? How much time and energy do we give to this remote or whatever remote you have at your house? You know, if you could add up all the hours that are in one year, how many hours would have in this remote, you know? How many hours, you know, I challenge myself all the time, you know, it was the other night, I watched game one of the NBA finals and the Cavs lost horribly and they totally got cheated and it's the devil's work, okay, all right? And, and, and so I get done watching that and then I find myself somehow watching SportsCenter for the next three hours because guess what? I gotta know what they're saying in the post-game interview. I gotta watch Ty Lue get mad and walk out of the interview. You know, I had to watch LeBron punk out all the reporters and then pick up his bag with his biker shorts. He looked like the guy from ACDC. You remember, you know, the guy who would play in his shorts? He had a suit and shorts and storm out of the room. How much time, how much time do I give to this? How much time do I give to these things that are, they're all great and they're a part of life and that matters, but yet we struggle to keep this the priority. You know, really struggle with it. And we see this great story in Daniel chapter six. We'll go verse one. It says this. Darius, the Medes, uh, King Darius of the Medes divided up the kingdom into 120 providence. He appointed high officers to rule over each providence. Verse two, the king chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officials and to protect the king's interests. Daniel soon per proved himself to be more capable than all the other administrators and high officials. Because Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire right? A Babylonian empire, okay? This is Daniel, a man of God that's going to be put in charge of a immoral empire, okay? This is what frustrates me when people get mad about working in the world and they're like, gosh, I just wish that I could do ministry or gosh, I just wish I could do something else other than this. No, you are called to influence culture. You're called to influence the world and the only way that we can influence the world is if we're with the world. This is why we're doing dinner parties. We're not trying to say it's just us in this room in these four walls. No, we're gonna go to the world and reach the world and show them who Jesus is. Can I get an amen? That's who we're called to be. It says this, he was faithful 
always responsible, completely trustworthy. Man, incredible words, incredible adjectives to speak over somebody's character and their nature. Verse five, so they concluded our only chance of finding grounds to accuse Daniel will be concerning the rules of his religion. So the administrators, the high officials, went to the king and said, long live King Darius, verse seven. We are all in agreement with the administrators, the officials, the high officials, the uh, advisors, the governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced, give orders that, that give orders for the next 30 days that any person who prays to anyone, divine, human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. Can we just pause for a second? A den of lions? Like, really? I mean, like, I mean, could have been like you're suspended for 30 days, you know what I mean? Or like you're on house arrest or, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, you got to fast for 30 days. No, no, we're just going to go straight for the throat and we're going to throw you into a prison of hungry lions that will rip you to shreds. Wow, man, thank God we live in 2018. That's all I'm saying, okay? Verse eight, and now your majesty, uh, issue and sign the law so it cannot be changed. Any official law of the Medes and the Persians cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law, verse 10. But when Daniel learned the law had been signed, okay? When he learned the law had been signed, what happens? He becomes face-to-face with what? Fear. <laughs> I mean, Just think about it for a second. If you were gonna be thrown into a den of hungry lions, you're a whole lot more of a man or woman than I am, okay, if you're not fearing at that time, okay? I might need a diaper or two, okay? Let's Let's just keep it real, okay? The anxiety, the anger, could you imagine him feeling like, man, I got some doubts in God's plan, right? You ever felt that way before? where you're, you're doing all the right things, doing everything you can to honor the Lord. You're doing everything you can to be a great husband or take care of your kids or work hard, and you feel like you're putting so much effort and time into your life, and yet even in the midst of doing the right thing, you find yourself going, man, why am I dealing with this? This is super frustrating, I don't know if you ever felt that way. I know I have. I've had moments where I'm like, God, where are you at? Kind of doubting your plan right now. Kind of doubting your sovereignty. Kind of doubting where you're taking me right now. Don't really understand. Don't really see exactly where we're going. See, this moment when Daniel learned, I I want you to think about it, okay? You're not gonna be thrown into a den of lions, but all of us have a moment and a time that these moments happen, it's like a trigger, right? Something happens at work. Something happens in your relationships. Something happens in your marriage. Something happens with your kids. Something happens with your bank account. You know, Mark Chenoweth was telling me today, you know, this last week the refrigerator went out. You know what I mean? These things happen in life. Stuff happens, these triggers, these moments that happens in our life. And when that happens, I think a lot of times what happens is this. Our soul, our soul starts freaking out, right? 
And we go, man, I need to satisfy my soul. So instead of trusting in Jesus and his word and his promises, what do we do? I start putting my trust into my hurts and my pains. Right? Sometimes my hurts and pains are so loud. You know, I went home to see my mom. And I understand, Todd. I've been praying for you all week. Death will mess with you. And my mom has cancer right now, and so I'm just I'm just coming face to face with some stuff. And all of a sudden, things that you thought were locked away, you realize they're, they're really not gone. They're still there. And you're face to face with it again. And, and those things can become really, really, really huge, you know, or, or, you know, I can go, and this is what I do all the time, all the time. I go, I'm so stressed, right? We all understand this, right? I'm so stressed, I just need some Netflix. I need some me time, right? What, what, what am I saying? I just need to zone out, right? I just need something to try to satisfy my soul right now, correct? Or we have a problem in our marriage, in our kids. And, and so instead of investing in Jesus and investing in my marriage, I just go, oh, forget it. I'll just invest into my career a little bit more, you know? I'll just put a little bit more time, a little more energy there because I'm not getting what I want from my marriage or my relationships or my friends. And so we start messing with this order, right? And Daniel has this moment, has this moment where he can mess with the priorities of his life, okay? But what happens is this. Go with me to verse 10. But Daniel learned that the law had been signed. And he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem. Can we just talk about that for a second? If you knew that there was a law that had been written that said if you worship anybody other than the king, do you think that you would go home and open up the window so everybody could see you? We'd be like... Yo, can we get like an underground church thing? You know what I mean? Can we like, you know? I mean, if like the United States like made a law that we couldn't worship, we'd be like, yo, you know, like where's a, where's a dirty old basement that we could hide, you know? No, Daniel, he goes home, opens up the windows towards Jerusalem, kneels down, starts to pray. He prays three times a day, just as he always has done, giving thanks to God. Verse 11, then the officials went, together to Daniel's house, found him praying and asking God for help. See, Daniel understood his priorities, right? His priority was Jesus. His priority is God the Father. His priority is Holy Spirit. I need your help. I need your help concerning all of these things in life. Because these things in life want to own me, right? 
My job wants to own me. My kid's schedule wants to own me. You know, my keeping my marriage hot wants to own me. You know, my fear, my pains, you know, getting to that place in my retirement fund someday or getting to that, you know, dream, whatever your dream is someday, it all wants to own your soul, right? It's all fighting for your time, your energy, your efforts, your thoughts. And what happens when all these things own us? We lose our way. Just like Israel. We lose our way. And we find ourselves as what? Exiles to God's presence. And when we're exiles to God's presence, we start asking questions like, is God mad at me? You ever asked that question before? You feel like, oh man, it's been a long week. It's been a rough week. I'm, I'm pretty certain God's not real excited about me today. You know, and I don't know about you, but when I feel that or I have those thoughts, my first reaction isn't, yeah, I want to go run to Jesus. <laughs> isn't that crazy? My reaction isn't, um, I want to go spend some time in worship. Because you know what I think? I think this, that when I get into worship or I get into the presence of God, that God's going to do this. No, I'm sorry. I don't have time for you. You haven't had time for me. I don't have time for you right now. And it's such a lie from hell. I mean, it is just such a manipulation that the enemy has spun us into these cycles to believe that God doesn't want to spend time with us. We are his children. <laughs> We're his kids. I don't care what my kids do. I mean, I don't care what they do. They know 100% that if whatever they do in life, they're welcome with me all the time. And I am sorry if you did not have that experience as a kid. I totally get that. I had moments in my life that I didn't understand that. But I have learned over the years that God is my father. And he's a father that wants to spend time with me. And he's a father that wants to spend time with you. He wants time with you. And Daniel is doing this. How smart is Daniel to ask for help? How smart is Daniel to go, God, I need you to help me process what's going on right now because I got fear and I have anxiety and I have stress and I have a king that wants to throw me into the lion's den. God, help me process. See, I've learned from personal experience that when I spend time in the presence of God, anything can come my way. And I'm like, it's okay. It's good. I'm all right, but I can promise you the same way when I don't spend time in the presence of God, man, things can rock my soul. You know, it was like a couple weeks ago, I was, I was up at like three o'clock in the morning and I was just so stressed and so overwhelmed. And I said, Lord, what's going on? He said, you just haven't been spending enough time with me. trying to do it out of you. And it's running real dry right now. And we all know what that feels like, right? That's why when we get into worship, we go, oh my gosh, this feels so good. Because you feel his love and you feel his grace and you feel his peace. And all of a sudden, all those things that look so big all the time, isn't it amazing how the problems and the trials of life can look so big in the presence of God, they just kind of look so much smaller. 
because we see how big our God is. We see how great he is all the time. Verse 12, so they went straight to the king and reminded him of his law that he had signed. And he says, yes, over the next 30 days, nobody can worship me. And obviously he has you know, worship somebody else who are going to throw him into the den of lions. And Daniel, instead of going into fear and stress and anger and hurt and doubting God, Daniel runs to God. He goes home. He kneels down. He prays. He asks God for help. And there is something so powerful in these moments. These are life-changing moments. Let me be very clear to you. The greatest moments that you will ever have with the Lord in your faith is going to be moments when there is a a problem when fear has struck your heart but yet in that moment you can still have joy you can still have peace you can still have trust and you can still cry out to the Lord and say Lord I know on the outside this looks so dangerous I'll never ever ever it was the most trying, one of the most trying moments of my life when I saw Michael in a hospital bed and they're going, hey, we're just really worried that the pneumonia is going to get into his bloodstream. If it gets into his bloodstream, it could get into his heart. It could get into his organs. It could kill him quick. Anytime somebody tells you that something could kill your kid, every bit of fear from hell comes on you like that. I mean, it is just like, And I remember I had to get out of the hospital room and I got into the car and I started driving and I just started to praise the Lord. I said, God, I thank you that you're great. You're wonderful. You're full of grace. You're full of mercy. I thank you, God, that he is your son. I thank you, God, that he's in your hands. I thank you, God, that he is not mine, but he is yours and you have a great plan for his life and his plan will succeed. Your plan will succeed. I thank you, God, that he will live and he will not die. I thank you, God, that he will be healed and he will be restored. And I just drove and I just professed God's promises. In the moment, in the moment that things are really, really tough. You know what happens? I believe you have God's attention in those moments. You know why? Because Acts chapter 16 shows us this. It says in verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were singing hymns to God. Why were they singing hymns to God? Because they were in prison. They were in prison because they got beat. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine it. Can you imagine, you know, like sharing the gospel of Jesus and then like a big crew of people, they're like, hey, Heather, uh, we heard that Heather was sharing Jesus uh, with moms at the park, you know, because isn't that what they talk like? You know, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this, you know? And uh, we just really don't like Heather, okay? And uh, I think we're going to kill her, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, this was the plan, right? Paul and Silas are healing people, preaching the word of God, helping people have victory in life. All of a sudden, the people in the community get together and they go, we don't like this. So they beat them with sticks and rods, and they threw rocks at them. And then they take Paul and Silas, and they throw them in the dungeon. We're not talking about like prison, 2018 prison. I'm talking about like a dungeon, like blackout rats and nastiness, and I bet you there's snakes. If there's snakes, you might as well just take me, Lord, because if there's a snake, I mean, it's just, that's just too much for me, you know? But they're in the dungeon, and this is what it says. They're singing praises and hymns to God. 
They're singing about his goodness after they've been beaten for teaching about his goodness. And the other prisoners were listening. Verse 26, it says, Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. See, Daniel experienced this same power. It's called breakthrough power. If you're struggling in an area of your life, and you need breakthrough, maybe you need breakthrough in your marriage, maybe you need breakthrough with your kids, maybe you need breakthrough in your career, you know where breakthrough through starts is in praise and worship to him. That's where the breakthrough comes. When you can get your attention off of the fear and off the hurt and off the pain and off of the comment and off of the stress and off of the anxiety and you can go, no God, that those things will not rule my life. Your word, your truth will rule my life and I can worship in the middle of this moment. That's where you'll see breakthrough power. See, verse 19, Daniel chapter 6, verse 19, it says, worship team, you guys can come up. The very next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. Verse 20, he got there, called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? What a great question, right? You know? Hey, did the lions eat you? Is your life destroyed? Verse 21, Daniel answered, long live the king. My God has sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight. Love that line. Love that line. You know what Daniel's saying? I don't care if I'm found innocent in the sight of man. I don't care if I'm found innocent in the sight of culture. I don't feel that that's the priority of my life. The priority of my life, Daniel says, is Jesus. And if I am found innocent in the eyes of Jesus, that's all that matters for me. That's all that matters. As long as Jesus is happy with me, we're good. We're okay. But then he goes on, and I have not wronged you either, majesty. Verse 26, the king makes a de declaration after, let's just note this, that the king says, take all the high officials and everybody who made this law, take them, their wife and their kids and throw them into the den of lions. And the Bible says that the lions ate them before their bodies could hit the ground. They're like, why? Because God's a God of justice. You think you have to fight your battles? No, you don't. I think that all the time. I'm like, man, I gotta protect mine. I gotta protect my family. I gotta protect our church. I gotta fight these battles. And God goes, no, you don't. Just honor me. Just honor me. Just put me first. Just seek me. I'll, I'll take care of everything else, son. You don't have to fight your battles. Verse 26, the king says, I declare that everyone through the kingdom should tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Babylonian culture, Daniel's God. For he is the living God. For he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. 
His rule will never end, verse 27. He rescues and saves his people. You need to just put that somewhere in your house. He rescues and saves. He rescues and saves. No matter what I'm facing in this life, he rescues and saves. He always takes care of me. I am a child of the Most High. I'm a beloved by the Most High. He rescues and saves. Goes on to say, he performs miraculous signs and wonders. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that does wonderful signs, miraculous things? Amen, come on. In heaven and in earth, he rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Why don't you stand on up?